It's the amazing Rico Bronia podcast with your host, Evan Roberts. Uh, welcome to Rico Bronia. Let's cut the high. How are yous? Uh, this was abysmal. This was pathetic. And as much as we've all tried to be optimistic throughout the season, I don't know how the hell after this game, after this performance, how any Met fan right now could hold their head up high and say, well, we've won 98 games. Don't worry. Because all season long, we've seen this team fight back. They did not fight back tonight. When Max Scherzer, who sucked, we can get it out of the way, both DeGrom and Scherzer failed us. That is no debate. There is no question. Now, you could say two things simultaneously. The Aces sucked and the offense has sucked. For two games in Atlanta, we woke up and it's like freaking 1999 all over again. Except instead of Chipper Jones, it's Dansby freaking Swanson. But when the New York Mets go down in this game 3-2 to two, after Jeff McNeil delivered what at the time felt like just a huge hit after a two-out rally in the fifth inning, after Scherzer gave up the little bloop, the little dunker to Acuna, and the two-run bomb to Dansby Swanson, he hit the crap out of that ball, what the hell did this offense do the rest of the night? So there are many things you can be pissed off about, and we'll get to all of them. I got time. You got time. We'll rip everybody's ass until we're done tonight. But I'll start with the fact that when Swanson hits that home run in the fifth inning and it's 3-2, to two, where the hell are the bats the rest of the night? And you aren't facing the greatest relievers in the world. You're facing Dylan F. and Lee in the sixth inning. What'd you do against him? Nothing. Unlike seven pitches. You're facing Jesse Chavez. You're even given a gift when Brandon Nimmo hits a ground ball to second base and Arcia boots it. What the hell do you do specifically? What do the MVPs of this team do? Oh, Alonzo just missed it. By the way, we all want to punch John Smoltz in the face. I'm sick of him talking. I'm sick of thinking of him as a pitcher. I'm sick of everything that comes out of his mouth, mostly because the Mets suck. I mean, not because he's really that bad, though he is pretty crappy. Alonzo flies out to right. And Francisco Lindor on the very first pitch, on what looked like a pitch right down the effing middle, taps one a second base. What do they do in the eighth inning against Rysel Iglesias, who, by the way, the Mets could have had if they wanted. Anyone could have had him. They do nothing. And I'm embarrassed because yesterday on Rico, I said, well, the one positive is they made Kenley Jansen throw a lot of pitches in the ninth inning. That fat ass barely broke a sweat in the bottom of the ninth. Top of the ninth, I should say. I mean, this was lifeless. And all season long, we've seen this team fight back. We even saw it a few days ago against the Marlins. Where the hell was the fight tonight? These bats have been limp in these two games against Atlanta, and the facts are they've been outclassed by a better team. I know we've seen 158 games now in this baseball season, and yes, the Braves are one game better, but you watch these last two games. Is it close right now? Their star players have shown up. Alonzo and Lindor have had a couple of singles. Oh, goody. A couple of singles. Think about how they've scored their four runs in this series. Think about it. A drop fly ball in left field in game one, a miracle Tomas Nito home run, a ground out by Eduardo Escobar, and yes, a good old-fashioned clutch hit on an 0-2 pitch or an 0-1 pitch by Jeff McNeil. This offense has done freaking nothing. 
and they face the Braves starting pitchers for a combined 10 innings. There's no tipping of your cap here. Dylan Lee, Jesse Chavez, Rysel Iglesias, and Kenley Jansen, who, I'm sorry, he is so goddamn hittable. Unless he faces the Mets. They make this guy look like Mariano, and they've been doing it for years, and they've been doing it all season. And even after a day in which he threw a million pitches, I know it's the bottom of the order. I mean, Mark kind of swinging and missing like he's facing Randy Johnson. You go back to the beginning of this game. You go back to the top of the first inning. I think we all had a sick feeling in our stomach when you have the bases loaded and one out and you've got Kyle right on the ropes and you end up with one run. And you can blame Lindor for striking out. I'm not going to blame Eduardo Escobar because I actually like on an 0-2 pitch that fact that he was actually able to put the ball in play and drive in a run because I think a lot of us thought after Lindor struck out, even after McNeil's hit, they ain't going to score any runs. So I'm not mad at Escobar in that spot. But then here's Daniel Vogelbach, one of the many brilliant moves by Billy Epler. And it doesn't matter if I liked it at the trade deadline or you liked it at the trade deadline. You are judged by results. Billy Epler is the GM. He's judged by results. His results at the deadline, and this is indisputable, they have blown. Darren Ruff's on the IL. We'll never see him again. J.D. Davis has hit 10 freaking home runs since they traded him. And Daniel Vogelbach, who's always looking for a walk, has done very little. And when he comes up in the first inning with second and third, two outs after you got a run in, even though they got a run in, which, okay, that's great. one nothing. Hand the ball to Scherzer with a lead. We all had that same feeling. He's got to find a way to come through here. You got to turn this inning into a big inning because you knew what was going to happen next with this. Kyle Wright would settle in, and he mostly did. And what was frustrating, and I tweeted this out during the game, and to me it's part of the story of this series. There's a lot of ways you could look at how things have gone through two games and try to define it. I would say this. The New York Mets had eight base hits in game two of this series. They had eight base hits in game one of this series. And they have walked away from those 16 hits with two extra base hits. You cannot, for the most part, single a team to death. Now, it worked in the fifth when they got back-to-back-to-back singles and it gave them a run. But here's the difference. Two extra base hits versus all of the extra base hits the Braves have put up, in which Matt Olson has how many on his own? Think about that. He hits a home run today, hits a home run yesterday. He has the exact same amount of extra base hits in this series as the Mets have. Dansby Swanson, home run game two, home run game one. Same thing. Same thing. So the Mets have 16 hits in this series. 16 hits. The Atlanta Braves have a little bit more because I think they had 10 hits today, whatever it was, 11 hits today. But they are hitting the ball over the fence. Number one, five home runs in two games, one for the Mets, and they're getting extra base hits. The Mets aren't. And I know throughout this regular season, the Braves were always a team that relied on their power. Through the course of the regular season, when the Atlanta Braves got base hits, over 40% of them would be extra base hits. For the Mets, 
it was 33. But it's even more extreme in these two games. They had a chance early to knock Kyle Wright around, and they failed. And their stars haven't shown up. Let's just call it like it is. All of them. From top to bottom, they haven't shown up. And I'll get to the pitchers in a second, because I'm sure there are many people out there who say, hey, all you Met fans have been ripping DeGrom for the last 24 hours. Go kill Scherzer. Oh, I will. I'm just not there yet. I'll get there. We'll kill everybody today. No one should be spared. I mean, who the hell should be spared from these two games? Who would you look at and say, well, don't rip him. He's been great. What, Seth Lugo for getting Eddie Rosario to ground out? But let's start with these bats. Brandon Nimmo, other than an error, has been on base twice in two games. Not good enough. Pete Alonso has two singles in this series. Not good enough. Lindor's got two singles in this series. Not good enough. The DHs, all of them, Vogelbach, Alvarez, and I'll say Darren Ruff again. Why not? They all suck. Not good enough. Mark Canna. Boy, I tell you this about Mark Canna. He never strikes out. My ass. He struck out three times in this series. He's been on base once when, for the grace of God, got hit by a pitch. I guess the one guy who we shouldn't rip is Jeff McNeil. And that's fair. Jeff McNeil has four hits in this series. Now, they're all singles. I'm not going to blame him for that. That's who he is. Jeff McNeil is mostly a single setter. But he does have four hits in this series. He did drive in a run in the fifth inning in a moment that felt big until Max Scherzer flushed it down the toilet. But look at this lineup. Everybody has come up tiny. Every single one of them. And again, think about who you've been shut down by. Now, I get it. Canley Jansen. Oh, yeah, great closer. Okay. A.J. Minter. They actually touched him up. Rossell Iglesias. Colin McHugh. Dylan Lee. Jesse Chavez. No. So these bats have come up small. And I know the signs have been there for the last few weeks. Look at the series they just played against the Marlins. Eduardo Escobar saved everybody. We know that. We know what happened the day before. We know what happened in the Cubs series a few weeks earlier. These bats just disappear. And they're very reliant on their stars, Lindor and Alonzo, and lately Escobar, I must say, to come up big. And they haven't come up big. They've done nothing in this series. Lindor even made an error that they changed five minutes later to a base hit. Didn't matter. Scherzer got out of it. Was a little lucky. Now let's get to Max Scherzer. That report by Ken Rosenthal pissed me off. And it should piss all of you off. I don't want to hear. And it's the same thing with what we said about Garrett Cole last year. If you're honest and talk about the Yankees ever, which you know I do because, you know, I host a show on New York Sports Talk Radio. But no Yankee fan wanted to hear about Garrett Cole's hamstring issue. No one wanted to hear it. He craps the bed in Fenway. And on the Yankee postgame that night, well, you know, guys, he's dealing with a hammy. Most Yankee fans don't want to hear that. So Ken Rosenthal pops up on the broadcast and says, you know, I spoke to Max Scherzer. And by the way, I'm not mad at Ken Rosenthal. He's just reporting the news none of us want to hear. But Ken Rosenthal comes out and says, you know, Max is just trying to get through the season. He's trying to just get to the offseason because of the issues he's dealing with with the oblique. Now, I'm not denying that Max Scherzer is probably still dealing with the injury that cost him how many starts this season. 
Just like none of us are denying Jacob DeGrom had a blister on Friday night. Nobody wants to hear it. And when I hear he's just trying to get to the offseason to reset, to reset, he's going to be 39 next year. What do you think's going to happen? You think he hits a reset button and at 39 he'll make 32 starts and come October there won't be an issue? Of course there'll be an issue. He's 39. And again, no one wants to hear excuses. So I know Max didn't have a press conference announcing it, but he says it to Ken Rosenthal. The Mets are playing their biggest game of the regular season, and in the freaking second inning, we got to hear from Rosenthal. Max is trying to get through the season. Meanwhile, we as schmucks are thinking about five more starts Max may make on a postseason run. And look, I know I'm emotional now. We all are. Postseason run my ass. Does anybody think right now, after the garbage we've seen these last two games against the Braves, they're going on any kind of postseason run? They won't be able to freaking touch you, Darvish, in the wild card series. Yeah, I'll throw that in there because where is this team headed right now? Probably there. So we got to hear, well, you know, that oblique, that son of a bitch oblique, it's bothering Max. He's just trying to get to the season so he can reset. 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 So at 39... Scherzer has no problems. Okay, great. Now, in the first three innings of this game, we're all lauding Max, though. Ah, he's battling. He's a bulldog. He's everything that Pansy DeGrom isn't, right? That's what you're thinking. It's probably what Joe's thinking. And then what happened to Max Scherzer in the fourth inning? What happened? He gives up a rip double to Austin Riley. He's ahead of Matt Olson, leaves that slider up just a little bit. I think it was a slider. I'm trying to remember. He pokes one up the middle. Gets a double play on Darno. Great, let's have a party. Gives up a rip double to Marcelo Zuna. And okay, great, gets through the inning. Gives up the lead. All right, you know what? He wasn't going to pitch a shutout. Not Max's best stuff. I think we all saw that from the first inning on. But don't worry. He's a bulldog. He's tough. He would never opt out of a contract. Okay. Mets get that run right back. That's where we get to that fifth inning, which was a great rally. A rally that, even though it was let single to you to death, felt good because it came with two outs and nobody on and Alonzo down 0-2. I won't make believe that in that moment I wasn't pumped up thinking, what an answer. What a heavyweight answer to the Braves' rally of tying the game. Because it was. Think about it. Alonzo 0-2 base hit. Lindor base hit. And then Jeff McNeil, who's the only positive in this series, rips a base hit to left center field. Now, of course, Eduardo Escobar can't do anything. I don't want to rip him. I know he's been red hot, but you know what I mean. Could it turn into a big inning, a crooked uh, crooked number inning? No, of course not. That's not what the Mets do. They just try to single you to death. And so here's Max Scherzer in the fifth inning. And I tweeted what everybody was thinking. Shut down inning. It's the thing DeGrom couldn't do on Friday night, right? Couldn't give you a shutdown inning. We couldn't get comfortable before Jake was giving up back-to-back home runs. Let me tell you something right now. And I killed Jacob DeGrom on the Rico last night. So if you if that turns you on, hearing me rip Jake, just go back and listen to that. But let's all be honest now. Jacob DeGrom looked like effing Cy Young compared to Max Scherzer in Game 2 of this series. It wasn't even close. Jake made three mistakes. Other than that, was pretty dominant. Max Scherzer 
was mediocre at best. And through the first three innings, we're just, oh, he's, he's battling through not having good stuff. What a warrior Max Scherzer is. This is why he's here. Some schmuck said that once. Yeah, me. And in the fifth inning, okay, Acuna was lucky. We all acknowledge that. That little blue pit was very, very lucky. Little check swing, it dumps in for a hit. But Dansby Swanson hit wasn't lucky. That one lucky. That was a 3-2 fastball, and Dansby Swanson hit the tar out of it. And Matt Olson comes up in the sixth inning. That wasn't unluck. That was Matt Olson hitting the crap out of a pitch. So I said yesterday, I don't want to hear about strikeouts. I don't want to hear about walks. It's about results. This is October baseball now, right? Here are the facts. Five and two-thirds, nine hits, four runs, two home runs, 101 pitches. Max Scherzer failed us tonight. And I don't want to hear it's only about the offense. I just gave you 15 minutes on the offense. Sometimes it could be about everything. You can walk and chew gum at the same time. I find it challenging once in a while, but you can rip two things at once. I chose on this podcast tonight, or this morning, whenever the hell you're listening to this, to decide. I decided with this Rico to spend the first few minutes ripping the offense. That doesn't mean I'm more pissed at the offense. I'm pissed at our races. And look, they're going to get another shot unless, you know, the blister shuts down Jake and the oblique shuts down Max, which we can't rule anything out. So let's assume they get another shot. And they could change the narrative. And they can shut me up and shut all of us up. But in this three-game series against the Atlanta Braves, where everything is in their control, everything is in the Mets' control, they failed. Who failed worse? Scherzer did. But it doesn't matter. They both failed us. The offense failed us. Really, everything failed us. And that's why you want to say it's over-exaggeration to two games? I don't. We're Mets fans. These were the big games. These were the games we circled. These are the games we pointed at and said, go beat the Braves like the Mets had for the most part during the regular season. They were 9-7 and seven in the season series coming into these two games. Not anymore. Now, I'll touch on game three. I'll give you a little preview. But for these first two games, and look, here's the bottom line. I don't know when you're listening to Rico Bronia. Hoff and I hit the record button five minutes after the game ended. So you're getting a reaction to this game. You're not getting a chance for us to calm down, relax, take a nap, drink. No. Instant reaction. And our instant reaction has to be that we're disgusted. And the instant reaction has to be, how do you have confidence in this team moving forward? All year long, I gave you the, hey, they've earned our trust. And they had. No doubt. Do 156 games they had with the fight, with the comebacks, with the consistency, with the way they played against good teams. They'd earned it. I don't regret saying any of that. But sometimes we have to react to what we see. Just like that was a reaction to what we saw over these two games. Is there any Met fan confident this run's going to go long? Anybody confident? Feeling good? Max Scherzer's got an oblique issue. Ken Rosenthal told us he's trying to hit the reset button for freaking 2023. Feel confident? We know what DeGrom's done in his last four starts. Feel confident? 
Starling Marte still can't grip a goddamn bat. Confident? Daniel Vogelback, and I don't want to kill Francisco Alvarez, but what, what has he done? You throw him into a pennant race, you're expecting something. I see 0 for 6 with two strikeouts. That's what I see. I see a kid that at times looks overwhelmed by major league pitching. We wanted him, we got him, because the other options have been so bad. That's why. Because Billy Epler traded for Darren Ruff at the deadline, and Darren Ruff was a dog. And I'm not doing that as double entendre. He's been a dog. Tyler Naquin is asked to start one of the biggest games of the season. He's Tyler Naquin. Let's not be confused by the barrage of home runs he hit early on. He's not that good. And here we are. Now, you want positive? Some bitches want a positive. Okay, I'll give you something. All year long, all year long, I said get to Atlanta with a one-game lead because you allow yourself a chance to just win a game and still have everything in your hands going into the final three games of the season against a team that's lost 103 games. Now, I get it. The Mets could lose to anybody. We know that. They got swept by the Cubs. They lost the series to the Nationals at home. Trust me, I understand. But right now, it feels like a huge victory to get the City Field Monday night in a first-place tie with the tiebreaker. And if they can somehow, and I'm not confident they are, I'm just reminding you, if they can somehow salvage this disaster, win the final game of this series, it's still right in front of them. Look, it's still right in front of them now, despite what's happened over these first two games, despite DeGrom and Scherzer coming up small, despite this offense scoring four runs and having two extra base hits in two games, despite the fact that Edwin Diaz can't get into a game in a save situation. Despite all that, yes, this is what I was begging for. Because in case you came in and lost the series, which the Mets have, all would not be lost. The reality is this, though. If they lose on Sunday night with Chris Bassett against Charlie Morton, it's over. I don't need to explain the situation, but trust me, it's over. All right, fine, I'll explain it. It's Rico Bronia. It's not 2-6.30 to on the fan. I'll bore you. If the Mets lose tomorrow night, they're two back with three to play, and the Braves have the tiebreaker, which means the only way the Mets could somehow win the division if they lose tomorrow night is to sweep the Nationals and have the Braves swept by the Marlins. That ain't happening. I should also mention, not that this should even matter, but I want you to have the info. Don Mattingly announced Sandy Alcantara will not start the final game of this season. And let me tell you, Mets fans, don't bitch about it. Because it shouldn't matter. Because even as we sit here depressed, you know, in our own vomit after watching these two losses, the Mets could win their last four and win the division. And they don't need any help. So I don't want to hear about help. I don't want to hear about what the Marlins need to do. No, no, no. It's still right in front of this team. It's still right there. If they win the finale of this series, all they got to do is win their games, easier said than done, and they win the National League East. Now let's get to the final game of this series. How could you be confident? 
Chris Bassett will give you six or seven strong. He's done that most of this season. Okay. Chris Bassett has mostly pitched well against the Atlanta Braves this season. Okay. And even though the Mets have had their success against Charlie Morton this season, and Charlie Morton, far and away, not even close, the weakest of the three starters the Atlanta Braves threw at the Mets in this series, especially compared to Max Fried and Kyle Wright, who's now won 21 games, for those who care about that stat. By the way, Kyle Wright's won 21 games. He's got 23 career wins. Not bad. Anyhow. Charlie Morton is the weakest of the three guys. Now, you could say Chris Bassett's the weakest of the three guys, but wait, Chris Bassett's been the Mets' most consistent starting pitcher this season. But after watching what we've watched over the last two games, it is very, very difficult. And don't call us negative for saying this if you're one of those voyeuristic Yankee fans downloading the Rico to drink our freaking tears. It's not about being negative. After what you've seen the last two days and after getting flashbacks from 1999 and 1998, because they choked in Atlanta in 1998, and there's been a lot of choking over the last two days. What makes you think? What makes anybody think Sunday night against Charlie Morton would be different? Why? Tell me. What would make it different? You think Pete Alonzo and Lindor are going to wake up? I hope so. You think Brandon Nimmo is going to remember how to get on base? I hope so. You think Daniel Vogelbach is all of a sudden going to be that lovable, large-bellied man that he was for the first few weeks after the trade? I hope so, but I ain't confident. I'll tell you this too about Charlie Morton. Charlie Morton, even though the Mets, again, have had some success against him this season, has owned pretty much everybody in the Met lineup. Mark Canna, two for nine, four strikeouts. He never strikes out. Shut up. Eduardo Escobar, three for 14. He's at a home run. Guillerme, one for nine. Here's the worst one. Francisco Lindor is five for 32, which is a 156 average against Charlie Morton. James McCann's one for eight. Well, hopefully we don't see him play anyway. Even Jeff McNeil's two for 12. Tyler Naquin, 0 for four, three strikeouts. (laughs) Brandon Nimmo, two for 12. Daniel Vogelback, two for 11. Oh my God. It's a cavalcade of garbage. In their careers, the only guy, there is one, who's got decent numbers against Charlie Morton with at least somewhat of a sample size is Pete Alonso, who's 5 for 16 with a double. But outside of that, no one's really had success against Morton, including Lindor, who's seen him a million times and can't hit him for some reason. Either you laugh or either you cry. There's no middle ground. And look, We'll be rational at a later date. We'll analyze, well, you know, the wild card series ain't that bad. Oh, well, as John Smoltz said, maybe you got a better shot to beat the Dodgers in a best of five than a best of seven. (laughs) Look, we will get to that if that's the future of the New York Mets in 2022, which right now feels like the most likeliest outcome. But right now, losing this division, which is falling out of our hands like a fumble. It's a kick in the balls, especially when you spend 98% of the season in first place. And we have spent so much time this season leading the National League, so much time, and so much time pointing to this series. 
and to come up as small as they have, I get it. You're still going to win 100 games. You're still the lead wild card team with three games at home. That is a very bitter consolation. I'm sorry. Very bitter. And yes, things can change. You can get hot at the right time. And you may laugh about being so pissed off about not winning the National League East. I understand how things can change. I'm always the first one to say that and remind people, yeah, you could collapse, but if you make the playoffs and you get hot at the right time, none of that matters. I've said it to Yankee fans for the last bunch of years. I'll say it to my fellow Met fan. But right now, in this moment, nobody wants to hear it. So I'm not repeating it to you. I'm just merely saying I know others will say that to us, and I know that may be true, but right now, October 1st, October 2nd, as the Mets are a game behind the Braves in the National League East, nobody wants to hear it. So now it comes down to this. We're all a beaten fan base again. All of us who have had confidence have completely lost it, because we have. I I can't imagine. There are too many Mets fans who are sitting here after losing two games to the Braves with DeGrom and Scherzer on the mound, who is still beating their chest saying, I trust this team. I ended the Rico after the first game saying, I trust this team. I'll tell you right now, I don't. I don't know how you can. And that's not flip-flopping. That's reacting to what we're seeing. They earned that trust, and now they've lost it. And hopefully, they make us all look stupid. And hopefully the old 2022 New York Mets, the team that has shown fight all season long, the team that won't get swept of a three-game series, that team shows up. Because I admit, as disappointing as losing two out of three would be, if they can win Sunday night, our view changes. Our feelings change. But right now, you should be down in the dumps. Because all you've got to do is replace Dansby Swanson with Chipper Jones. How about Michael Harris? It's freaking Andrew Jones out there in center field. I know Michael Harris hasn't done anything offensively in this series. He's one for eight with an infield hit. But the jump he gets on balls, some of the plays he's already made in this series, the great play against Nimmo, the really good play against Tomas Nito, hit the ball hard a couple of times into some bad luck. I mean, you're looking at Andrew Jones 2.0 in center field. I take your pick on who you want Chipper Jones to be. Austin Riley, Matt Olson. Acuna had three hits in this game, but hasn't inflicted the kind of damage on this team. Other than the blooper. The blooper was the damage. That freaking check swing was the damage. Oh, God, this sucks. This freaking sucks. You feeling all right, Hoffman? You got some confidence? Is Pete Hoffman going to be the one to walk me back off the ledge? All right, so I'm not going to say I'm going to walk you back 100%, but I, and listen, I feel every ounce of pain that you just spoke about for the past half hour straight without even that, breathing. Was that a half hour? Uh, <laughs> give or take. I know we had a couple of curses before we started recording, so we might, might have edited that out. But uh, yeah, uh, for, for at least 25 good minutes here, you've been ranting and raving, and rightfully so, and I think you've nailed it. I think most fans are feeling that, but here's like what you said. I've said this for a while now, and it's tough to say, but Chris Bassett has been the most reliable pitcher. So if there's someone that's going to stop it, it's him. 
That's the only only ounce of confidence I have. If they rearrange the way that they position this, you know, if they had started, if Buck had started Bassett on on Friday, what I think Scherzer was supposed to go today anyway, and Degrom on Sunday was that how it was supposed to be? No, it was supposed to be. It was supposed to be Bassett. DeGrom, DeGrom and, and Scherzer. So he took DeGrom and Scherzer, put him in the first two, and actually moved Bassett back two days. Well, if I, I don't know if I would have been, I, I don't think I would have felt as good if Scherzer or DeGrom were pitching Sunday. I think I feel better that it's Bassett. That might be odd. And I know that you went through every single batter who's faced uh, Charlie Morton. And I don't understand how they don't hit the guy. The guy's ERA, he, listen, he's not terrible, but he's in a if, what? Mid fours, four four and change. He's not that great this year, and we suck against him. He's not that good. We should be able to find a way to to scrape up some runs, and Bassett will give us the seven innings that we need because I know he's going to step up. It's it's weird. Uh, so the Mets were favorites on Friday night, and they were favorites on Saturday, and they were favorites on the road because of Jacob Degrom and Max Scherzer. Okay, so I get that. I think we all understand that. The New York Mets are underdogs in the final game of this series. And I would argue, and clearly you'd agree, because you just said it about Bassett, but factoring in Morton too, this is the pitching matchup where the Mets have the biggest edge. I think this is a bigger edge than DeGrom against Max Fried. Max Fried had a 2-5 ERA. Max Fried has been one of the better left-handed pitchers in all of baseball. And obviously, I know wins are a stat that's sort of been thrown out now. But Kyle Wright with a low three ERA and 20 wins this season and 180-plus innings, I'm not saying he's better than Max. He's not. I'm not saying he's better. But I think the discrepancy between those two guys, I I honestly think, is greater with Bassett and Morton. So I, I guess I agree with you in terms of, yes, on paper, we should feel good about this matchup. But I'll tell you, man, you think this offense is going to come out and hit? Because forget Freed and forget Wright. They couldn't hit Dylan Lee. They couldn't hit Jesse Chavez. They couldn't hit Kenley Jansen, who also hasn't been that good. Kenley Jansen has been mediocre a lot of this season, but not when he faces the Mets. Never when he faces the Mets. So, look, we just saw it, Pete. They got shut down by pitching. They should have hit. I mean, dude, the the, the one thing... (laughs) I don't understand why it's got to be this way for us Mets fans, but I think that this is this a test to us to see how much we could take. Um, and I still, I, I said it so many times over and over and over. One sixty-two. That's where the division's going to lie. So I'm, I, I understand that this team is giving you lifeless at bats. I understand even when Chance is trying to give you the game on Friday, he's trying to help you out, and we still find a way to just look lifeless. I, I think. Somehow we'll scrape through. I, I, I just feel that way. I, I don't know why. I'm just feeling lucky, punk. That's how I feel. It's good. Listen, Evan, there's got to be this. This team has fought back yeah. in the past. These yeah. two games have been crappy, but we've seen that, though. We've seen those days where they should have won. And it's like, what the hell are they doing? And the next thing you know, okay, well, at least we were able to, to avoid the sweep. And that's what you said to start. If we get to this... This one one fifty nine games. If we get to this point, we have three games left, and all we have to do is. I mean, we have to basically sweep, but we have the edge. It's all we needed. That's all we asked for, and we will have that Monday. Look, I know that the discussion becomes something very different if the Mets win Sunday. In terms of, I'd be typical Mets. 
They have it all in their hands, and they lose to a 103-loss team at home, and that's how they lose the division. I know this may sound nuts. I would rather lose the NL East via losing a game to the Nationals than lose the NL East because they got swept by the Atlanta Braves. I really, I really believe that. And I know, well, what the hell's the difference if they don't win the division and they're in the wild card series? Why does it matter how it happens? You get swept by the Atlanta. That's how this ends. This divisional race ends by leading all year, all year long, and then you go to Atlanta and you get swept. Like, I acknowledge that if the Mets win Sunday night and they come home tied with Atlanta but with the tiebreaker, that it's still possible. Because sweeping is tough. Even the Braves couldn't sweep the Nationals twice. They won two out of three, but they didn't sweep them. Like, I get that there is still a somewhat realistic way we would lose this division in agonizing fashion. I acknowledge that. I'm not acting as if winning one game in this series would assure the NL East. It doesn't. It just puts it in your hands, obviously. But losing on Sunday night, and having this race end, because it effectively ends if they lose tomorrow night, barring a very unforeseen miracle, like I mentioned earlier, winning three in a row and the Braves losing three in a row. It would just be the worst. It'd just be the worst way for this to end. And I know any way it ends would be bad. You led the NLEs for 98% of the season. But you got to show some freaking balls as an offense and come out and beat up Charlie Morton and beat up this brave bullpen. They used Kenley Jansen in back-to-back days. They used Rysel Iglesias in back-to-back days. So I'm sure they'll be available because so much is on the line. But they could be compromised. Go out and score freaking nine runs tomorrow night or tonight, depending on when you're listening. Pound them. And like you said, Bassett's been their most reliable Hopefully he gets the job done. But look, I'm not going to sit here after watching that garbage and be confident. And it's very difficult to be. If we record this Sunday afternoon, maybe I say something different. But when you record this Saturday night, and that's when we're recording it right after the game's over, that's just the way it is. All right, I'm done. I got nothing else to say. Uh, Hoffman, do me a favor. Yes. When we started recording this podcast, I dropped a couple of curses before we started. Make sure that's edited out. (laughs) You got it. Okay. Listen, I, uh, to be fair, I'm being, I'm trying to hold back all my negativity because I'm on the air in about three hours, and I'm gonna give my negativity there. So that's where, that's where my, I'm trying to hold back and try to be like reasonable for a little bit because I can't go full <laughs> blast now. I understand. And if you want to listen to Pete, even if you're listening to this pod Sunday morning, just press the rewind button. He's doing what? What's your shift so people could clock at two to six? Two a.m. to six a.m. Yes. 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. So even if you don't catch it live, because I do think a lot of people listening are probably listening on Sunday, hit the rewind button and you could hear extended the Mets suck talk from our very own Pete Hoffman. We'll have another Rico after this series ends. And then obviously I'm back on the air Monday with Craig at 2 o'clock and Pete will be producing Tiki and Tierney. All right, everybody go to sleep and think about something positive. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Rico Brown. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rico Bronio podcast. It's amazing, isn't it? Make sure you download it now to keep it on you at all times.